Scripture reading this evening will be read from 2 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. That is the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of, his, of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Thank you, Tanner, for reading our scripture tonight. We appreciate your presence. Always good to see you on Sunday night. We appreciate those who come back. And we pray that if you're visiting, you'll come back and be with us again. We're so grateful that you've chosen to be here tonight. We had a good turnout for the singing at the nursing home today or at Olive Grove Terrace. Had a number of folks that were, that were there. When I went in the door, they were already singing. And so they are now meeting in a little, I guess a little living area. And so when I went in, Billy last, last month sat on the right side. And so when you entered, you could sit behind him. He didn't know you were there. So I sat behind him. He didn't know I was there. So I went in, I thought, I'll sit in the same place this time, and he won't see me. And I sat down and looked over, and there he was on the other side, and he waved at me. I thought, so anyway, he said, Jared's going to lead a song, and then he called on me to lead a song. And so we all suffered through that. And at the conclusion of the singing, Isaiah came up to me and he said, we don't pay you to, to lead singing. We pay you to preach. So, I agree. And uh, you know the truth hurts, but truth is truth. And so I appreciate the honesty. And look, I never claimed to be a song leader. And so we, we stumbled through it the best we could. Harley had two songs picked out for me, and I didn't know either one of them. And so, anyway, we got through it. Tonight we're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. We want to talk about living in the war zone. Those of us who are Christians, we are, in effect, living in a war zone because we are engaged in spiritual warfare. Our enemy is identified by Jesus as the devil in Matthew chapter 13. And as we live here upon this earth, as long as we live here, we're going to have to battle the evil one. We're going to have to do battle with the devil. And so what, what does it mean to live in the war zone? How can we be successful in the war zone, in combat? Paul would tell Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1 to wage a good warfare. He would say in chapter 6, fight the good fight of faith. And so in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 3, Paul said, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then in verse 4, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. There are some components of being a soldier of Christ that I want to share with you tonight in our study. I want to begin by talking about we must be strong as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul says in verse 3. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. There are two things that come to mind here. First, 
the expectation of a good soldier. And then secondly, the education of a good soldier. By way of expectation, Paul says, first and foremost, we need to expect hardship. When people go to war, and there have been a lot of folks through the years that have gone to war, they have been in the war zone. They have been in combat. And some have been involved in hand-to-hand combat. And they understood, and those today who are soldiers, they understand that there are hardships associated with being a soldier. It's never easy. As a matter of fact, Paul would tell Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 at verse 12 that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Jesus would say in the Sermon on the Mount, that those who follow him need to expect hardship or suffering, didn't he? And so it's not not something that we don't expect. We understand We're we're in the combat zone, we're in the war zone, and we're fighting the devil. John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Some translations read, the world lies in darkness. The world is engulfed in spiritual darkness. And so we have to expect hardships because, as Jesus said, the world hated me. Because it hated me, he said, it'll hate you. So we're involved in war, and we're going to face some hardships as we live for the Lord. And there are going to be people that are going to seek to encourage us to compromise our convictions. There are going to be some that want us to compromise our standards And we can't do that. As a result of that, we may suffer for it. And then there's a second thing. Not only will we face hardships, but heartache. Those who have experienced battlefield, those who have been on the battlefield, so to speak, they can tell you about the heartaches that they experienced. They can tell you about friends that they served with side by side. Some injured, debilitated. Others lost their lives. There are heartaches along the road. As a good soldier of Christ, we need to have certain expectations. Number one, we have to expect hardship. Number two, we have to expect some heartache along the road. When the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he talked about Hymenaeus and Alexander who had made shipwreck of their faith. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he talks about Hymenaeus and Philetus. He said, men who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is already passed, and he said they overthrow the faith of some. So you look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and you think about those that he served with. And Paul had the opportunity to serve with a lot of great people, a lot of great soldiers, and yet there were casualties along the way. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, he would talk about Demas. Demas at one time had been a co-laborer. They had been in the trenches together, serving and working together. And in verse 10 of chapter 4, he said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. 
And so when we think about living in the war zone, and we are in a war zone, we have to expect hardship. It's not going to be easy. I'm not saying that it's impossible to live a Christian life. I'm just saying that there are going to be difficulties. There are going to be things that we face that are going to be obstacles that we have to overcome. There are going to be heartaches. There are going to be people that will disappoint us. There'll be times when we get discouraged, but we can't lose heart. We've got to hang in there. And so the expectations of a good soldier. And then the education of a good soldier. Two things here. First and foremost, I think about a good soldier is always ready. My encouragement would be to be ready. If you, if you go out into the battlefield, let me tell you what. You're going to be on guard, aren't you? You're going to be vigilant. Years ago, a friend of mine, or rather, years ago, one of my cousins, I guess I should say, had a friend that went to battle. And he lasted one week before hitting a landmine. Just a young guy. And I'm sure that soldiers are prepared for the enemy. They are prepared in terms of what to look for. But you've got to be ready. You've got to understand that the enemy is going to do everything within his power to get to you. That's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, that we're not ignorant of the devices of Satan, lest he gain advantage over us. You've got to know how the enemy operates. You've got to be ready. You've got to be on guard. You've got to be vigilant. That's what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I mentioned a moment ago the fact that there are expectations in the war zone. And there's also the need for education. You've got to be ready for anything. I knew a gentleman that served in World War II. He was a Marine. Until the day he died, this guy could eat bark off of a tree. I promise you, he was that tough. He spent time at Iwo Jima and he was a tough tough guy and he talked about some of the things that he faced and as I reflect upon the difficulties that come with being in the war zone I understand you got to be ready you can't afford not to be ready a friend of mine a friend of Billy's John Shannon said that he was in Vietnam in 1968. And John said, in April of 1968, word came that Martin Luther King had been killed, assassinated. And he said, there were a lot of people at that point in time really concerned. And there were a lot of folks running around, some of the troops, some of his friends, they were running around and they were saying, Martin Luther King's been killed, what are we going to do? And here's what he said. I can't worry about that. 
I've got to worry about myself. I've got to be ready. And John understood. If you let your defenses down for just a short period of time, you'll lose your life on the battlefield. So you've got to be ready and then you've got to be resolved. You've got to have this attitude that you're not going to give up on the battlefield, are you? Some folks, they give up. Sometimes individuals don't want to be on the battlefield. John was talking about the other day. He said when he, when he was in the service, there were some guys that they came up with the idea that if they cut themselves, they wouldn't have to go to battle. And so he said they'd cut themselves. Well, they'd send them to the medical unit, and they would fix them up. And then he said they would send them from there to the brig. He said because they were destroying government property. When you enlist in the service, you belong to Uncle Sam. When you signed on as a Christian, what you were saying in effect is, you're going to be a disciple of Jesus. You belong to the Lord, don't you? And so because we belong to Him, we've got to have the resolve that come what may, we're not going to give up. Jesus said, be faithful unto death. And that means if it costs you your life in the war zone, then so be it. You give your life. But you need to understand, in so doing, you can expect a crown of life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 58, Be ye steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And so, be ready, and then just be resolved. Be resolved that you're going to make it. There's a second thing I want you to see, and that is the single-mindedness of a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Look at verse, look if you would at verse 4 again. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. When you get out in the world, the war zone, you've got to concentrate, don't you? A good soldier concentrates. And that is, we've got to have our mind alert to the enemy. And there's a reason for that. You think about all of the things that the devil can throw at us, literally. And John talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And he said, these things are not of the Father, but are of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. So the devil has a lot of tools in his arsenal. And he seeks to bait us, to hook us, so to speak. So we've got to be alert. We've got, we've got to concentrate in the war zone. And here's why. Because just like those troops that go overseas to serve on behalf of our country, when they leave America and they go on foreign soil, the only thing they're thinking about is getting back home. As a Christian, we're out here in the war zone. And we've got to be alert to the work of the devil. And our goal, our thought process ought to be, I just want to get home. I want to get home safely. You ever seen somebody that's been abroad and they come home? First thing they do, they kneel down and kiss the ground. They kiss American soil. Why? Because they're glad to be back home. 
Paul said our citizenship is where? Is it here on earth? No, he said our citizenship is in heaven. Whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have to understand that ultimately home for us, it's not America. It's not Olive Branch. It's heaven. We're wanting to get home. Some of you here have battled cancer, haven't you? Some, there have been a number of folks in this congregation that have battled cancer and have been successful. And I love to hear people who have beaten cancer make this statement. I am a survivor. Let me tell you what, as a Christian, you're out here in the war zone and you're fighting the devil. And the devil is literally throwing everything at you. He's doing everything within his power to destroy and to hurt you. And you just keep overcoming time and again. And there's coming a day when you can say, I am a survivor. It's a daily task. You go to bed at night and you say, I am a survivor. You get up the next day, you go back to war. You're back on the battlefield. You go to bed that night, again, I am a survivor. So you've got to concentrate, you've got to be aware of your surroundings. You've got to understand it's a tough world out there. So we've got to concentrate if we're going to be a good soldier. And then there's some challenges to being a good soldier. The Bible talks a lot about the devil and his work. And by the way, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, faced the devil. And there was a showdown recorded by Matthew and Luke in Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, where the devil tempted Jesus three very specific times. And each and every time, Jesus would respond by saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. The devil wanted to destroy the work of Jesus. You've got to understand as you think about the challenges that we face. But first of all, there is the deceptiveness of the enemy. Those who are on foreign soil, fighting in the Middle East, they understand the tactics of the enemy. And they'll tell you, the enemy uses a lot of trickery. Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 said, Be strong in the Lord, the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. The devil is identified by John in the book of Revelation in chapter 12 verse 9 as the deceiver of the whole world. Let me tell you what, he wants to deceive you. And he really doesn't care if you're young or old, if you're male or female, if you're black or white if you've been to college or never went to college. He doesn't care. His goal is to deceive you. And he is a master at it. And there are people in our world today, and sometimes sadly some in the church, that get duped into going back into the world. They leave the safety of the church, the spiritual blessings that are in Christ, they go back into the world, and then they realize they made a tragic mistake. 
So the devil, the enemy, he is deceptive and he is destructive. Wherever you follow the devil in this world, I can promise you one thing. He leaves a wake of destruction far and wide, doesn't he? We talk about the problems that we have in this country. Let me tell you what, we can trace it all back to one source. You know what that source is? The devil. It all started in the Garden of Eden. The devil... The devil misled, deceived Mother Eve. Not only was she deceived, but Adam likewise. And from that day forward, do you know what the human family has had? Heartache and destruction and death. And here's the sad thing. The devil delights in that. You know, there's some people, they just, in, they just enjoy a good fight. There are some folks, they enjoy inflicting heartache in the lives of people. They are sadistic. The devil, that's how he operates. You can go back and read the book of Job. Here's Job, an upright man, one who feared God, turned away from evil, Everything's going well in his life, and here comes the devil. And the devil is intent on doing one thing, and that is destroying the life of Job. And that, in looking at the narrative, go back and read the story of Job. There were things that were precious to him. His family, we talk about his friends. You can talk about the material possessions he had, his servants, all these great things. And the devil delighted in destroying his life, didn't he? Or trying to destroy his life. And he, he delights in destroying the lives of people today. So, there are some challenges that we face. There's a third thing I want you to see very quickly. And that is we have to be submissive as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Look again at verse 4. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. A good soldier, first and foremost, understands the rank of his superior officer, doesn't he? Who is our commanding officer? Do we have somebody that outranks us? We do, don't we? You know what his name is? Jesus Christ. He is identified by Paul as the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the sovereign king. And so, as our superior officer, whatever he says goes. And by that I simply mean he outranks us. All authority has been given unto him in heaven and on earth. God the Father said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear Him, Matthew 17, 5. So what God in heaven is saying is, This is my Son. He is your commanding officer. Whatever He says, that's what goes. There have been a lot of troops in days gone by that have been submissive to their superior officers, but the flip side is there have been some that have been cavalier, 
And they had the idea that they could do things their way, and guess what? They ended up in the brig. You don't buck your superior officer. And that's a lesson some folks need to learn even in the church. What the Lord Jesus says, that's what goes. So first we, we talk about the rank of our superior officer and then the rules of the superior officer. Listen again to what Paul said. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. When you obeyed the gospel of Christ, in effect, you signed on as a soldier in the army of the Lord. What you were saying is, whatever the Lord says, that's what I'm going to do. You're going to live a submissive life, aren't you? Here's what Jesus asked centuries ago. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Can you imagine somebody claiming to be a follower of Jesus? Admitting that he outranks them? That he has rules in place that must be obeyed? And then, in a cavalier way, just saying, well, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't work like that. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Emphasis on submission to the will of God. Now, what about, what about the rules? Are there rules? Are there laws in place that those of us who are soldiers of Christ must observe? Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul talks about the law of Christ. It is identified by James as the perfect law of liberty. This law is to reign and rule in our lives. And one day we're going to give an account to our superior officer, the Lord Jesus. We're going to bow before him and we will give an account of the deeds done in the body of as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's why it's imperative that we follow what he says, that we live in submission to his will. In Hebrews chapter 5, the writer said that Jesus is the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. John in the Revelation closed his book in chapter 22. In verse 14, by saying, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord, yes. Or rather, in chapter 22, verse 14, he said, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. All he's saying is, those who are good soldiers, those who are, who are submissive to the will of God, they have the right to one day go to heaven. They'll get home safely. Maybe you're here tonight and you're a Christian and you realize that in the war zone you've been beaten time and again. You've been wounded. You've been separated from your leader and you need to get back. There's a way back home. The way back home is through repentance and prayer. John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. James said, confess your faults one to another, 
pray one for another. We'd be happy to do that for you tonight. It might be that you've never obeyed the gospel. We'd love to have you become a part of God's family. It's very easy. You believe Jesus to be the Son of God. You're willing to repent of your sins, confess His name before others, be baptized into Christ just as Peter instructed on Pentecost Day in Acts 2.38. When you're baptized into Christ, you enjoy forgiveness. And God puts you in the church, Acts 2, verse 47. And the beauty is if you're faithful till death, you have a crown of life waiting on you. So if we can assist you in any way tonight, we want to do that while we stand and sing.